welcome to the Stress Reduced Fat Loss Podcast, where we teach and mentor you, the health and fitness professional, on how to holistically transform your client's body, health, and life. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Arco. Alongside me, you'll hear from Sarah Fennell, Ken Sylvan, and Barat Ozan. Each episode, you will have a combination of us sharing our 70 plus years of combined knowledge and experience in the health and body transformation industry. Our goal is to help expand your awareness of holistic transformations and teach you how to get deeper results for your clients. Let's jump into this episode. Welcome back to the Stress Reduce Fat Loss Podcast. I am your host, Joe Arco, and I'm here with my co-host, Sarah Fennell. And today, we have a very interesting conversation. It's going to be about the three top characteristics of a good coach. Listener beware, asterisk on this conversation. This wasn't something that we have spent weeks and weeks accumulating knowledge and researching and studying. This was literally this morning. Sarah's like, here's a great podcast opportunity. Here's the topic. Quick, what are the top three things? And we've had some fun doing this with Sarah. I'm looking forward to seeing yours because I haven't seen yours yet. Yes. And I'm looking forward to sharing mine. Yes. Uh, Joe and I are are partners in pretty much everything. Um, And so when we get together to do uh, collaborative things like this and have conversations, we like to make it as fun as possible. So I was like, hey, like, don't show me your answers. I won't show you mine. And we'll show up and and talk about it. Because if we if we consider characteristics of a good coach, it's a very subjective topic. Based on, yeah, yeah, based on experiences, you know, I've been a coach for X amount of years, same with yourself. We've Mm -hmm. worked with tons of different coaches and seen different things. Um, But I'm really curious to see our answers if they come down to very, very similar things, because I know we're in alignment with a lot of things. So here's the thing, just so that, you know, I know this is a listening thing, but we do have some snippets here and we're not cheating. I've got mine written here. So I will prove to you that I'm not going to change my answers, but Who's going to go first? How are we going to decide who's going to share their answers first? Before we dive into that, um, I'd I'd love just to chat about uh, the coaching industry and like our experience within Mm -hmm. it. And, you know, so how long have you been in the coaching, you know, service industry for people? We have to start with my age already. Seriously? Not your age. Um, (laughs) It's going on 24 years, which sounds really weird. It crept up on me. I remember like 10 years in the industry and then you know, 20 years in the industry now going on like 23 years is a long time. And uh, yeah, I started off as a trainer, actually cleaning up a gym in, in Mississauga, Meadowville, Ontario, Canada, absolute fitness. I was a gym rat for Saturdays and Sundays, putting away weights uh, until I eventually got a, you know, a career at Good Life. But yeah, 23 years working with high-end athletes, working with UFC athletes, boxers, kickboxers to the everyday human being. And, you know, I've been pleasured to have certification courses that I've created to help trainers learn this stuff as well. But 23 years of seeing a lot of trends and a lot of changes and a lot of processes that have changed a lot. But I think at the fundamental root coaching has, has been very consistent in terms of what people are looking for. Yeah. I think you also bring a really unique uh, aspect to this conversation. Like many of our listeners here who are maybe trainers or who maybe own gyms or, and who have maybe a hybrid business now offline and online, and you've, you know, transitioned to the online space with coaching and being able to just have insights into both the offline and the online, um, you know, with COVID hitting, we know a lot of our listeners and even a lot of our clients are in that hybrid model now. 
it was, you know, it, it's one of those, can you teach an old dog new tricks? And I'll admit I was hesitant. I was resistant to old ways. I love, I really do love the in-person stuff. You know, I had a facility for many years and spoke all around the world and love being in front of people. But this online space has also brought so many new opportunities. It's forced me to really look at how I'm delivering information to people and how I'm getting results. And not only that, but being able to impact so many more people that I wouldn't normally be able to get to see in person. So a lot of mindset shifts, but yeah, definitely a lot of perspectives on both sides of the fence. Yeah. I started out in the online space, have had offline experience as well, but it's it's actually 12 years this month, which is, uh, no, sorry, Ooh. 10 years. I'm celebrating a decade of my own business and coaching this month, October, 2021. Uh, and I've seen the evolution of, of coaching in the online space and what is needed and uh, just the, the level that people need to step up to in terms of their standard, which, I mean, back in 2011, when I started, it was people weren't online and coaching wasn't a, as big of a thing. Uh, and now with the evolution of it and so many people getting into the coaching space, uh, which is why we want to chat about characteristics of a really good elite coach, uh, because this is one of the factors that's really going to make you stand out uh, and have a really good reputation within the coaching industry. You being in the online space a lot more, when I say like in it, like really encompassed in it, what are some of the biggest changes you've noticed in the last little while or since the big shift to online? What are some of the biggest challenges or biggest changes you've seen? Yeah, I'll start with a challenge. Um, people need to want to come into the online space because they, they really want to connect with people on a, a broader scale, um, have a bigger network, not just because it can be marketed as a uh, lay on the beach, freedom, passive income lifestyle. Like you mm. really, like whether you want to be a trainer offline or a trainer online, coach offline, coach online, you need to want to really help people. And at the core of it, that should be a reason. And I've seen a challenge of people thinking the online space is glamorous um, because a lot of people don't see all the back end stuff, but you have to like, first and foremost, you have to be want to want to be a coach and actually really help people. Um, now in terms of evolution, uh, touch points and client journey and really knowing how to, uh, provide coaching skills through a digital platform, as opposed to being with someone and having more in-depth conversations. It's an interesting point. I was, I was making a lot of notes there because one of the struggles that I've seen a lot of coaches go through is how much they didn't realize they were doing during those one-on-one -on -one sessions and then how to create those touch points, those experiences, that value now in the online space. Yes. And I think the people that have, that have raced to do that first are getting more success because they, like, like you nailed it, is just really understand the client journey and what they need, those touch points. Those are great uh, Great bullet points there. Yeah, because yes, if you go online, you have the capability of reaching more people, but a lot of that effort is marketing and referrals are still so valuable in the online space. So focus on a very small, limited, even one client, like focus on that first client, be a really good coach, learn how to fill a lot of those gaps. Uh, and, you know, ref referrals will come in as opposed to looking at, I need to, I'm going to help a hundred people and have a hundred thousand people follow me. That's a very opposite way of, you know, looking at the, the coaching industry. Now, if you keep going, you're going to get rid of all my answers here for our top three. Come on. You're going to make me yes, look let's, bad. Let's dive into this. Okay. Who is going first? You asked that question earlier. You know what? You posed this to me. 
So I'm going to let you go first and take the stage. Okay. So how do you, do you want to just list the top three each and then we'll dive to see if there's commonality or do you want to dive deep into each of your categories first? Let's dive deep into a category and let's say you have a similar one because mine are really in no particular order. Uh, well, let's, just, your, let's just give me, give me your top three. I'll give you my top three and then we'll dive. Okay. Um, okay. So the first one is you need to know how to meet a client with where they're at. The second one I have is, you know, remaining in the game. And the third one is setting long-term and short-term tangible and measurable goals. I like that. Okay. My top three, number one, communication. Number two, owning your client's journey with empathy. And number three is the balance and constant evolution of your skills through research and experience. Mm, I like that. Those are my Let's chat three. about that last one because it also it goes in line with what I say of remain in the game. Um, that one, though, to me, your number two and my number three were very were were, were connected. We hit those yeah, right there. Yeah, and so why don't you chat chat about that and you know um, I'll I'll add into that. Sure. Let me just say it again. So the balance and and constant evolution of your skill through research and experience. So the key to me is the balance between the research and experience, because there's a lot of people who have a lot of experience, but they don't keep up with the research. And some things that, that, that worked 20 years ago that may have been good, just isn't good anymore. And some people are just so research says, research says, research says with no clinical experience whatsoever, no experience with, with, with clients whatsoever. And all they're looking to do is just disprove any way of doing anything. And so to you, like, I guess like remaining in the game, the game changes, you know, the game, when you watch the NHL now, if you're still doing the same thing that Gordie Howe is doing, whoa, like you're not going to be a Sidney Crosby or anyone else up and coming. So it's, it's constantly surrounding yourself with people who know more than you going to events, um, getting mentors, um, you know, finding the people that are better than you. You know, and, and learning some of their skills and being humble enough to say, like, I, I just, I constantly want, to me, it's the need to say, I want to get my clients up the mountain as fast as possible with as much fun as possible. And so then you just become this person who, I need more clues. I need more clues. I, I, I got to get better and better at honing my craft. And the only way you're going to hone your craft is to do two things, research it and then try it. And it might work for some, it might not work for others. And you put it in your toolbox and you keep going and you keep going and you keep going. Uh, to me, the, the people that I've seen that have lasted the longest in the industry is because they continue to evolve, learn new things, try it out, and not be afraid to say, hey, maybe it didn't work. Or maybe I'll just take bits and pieces of what I'm learning and apply it. And then confidently go, well, maybe the research shows this, but based on the evidence of my, you know, just doing it with so many people, here's what I have found. Uh, it's just the the mesh of that. Yeah, you've you nailed it. That's exactly what I mean. Uh, you have to want that growth and, you know, growing and evolving the knowledge and your skills and, and what you're also doing along that path. You know, I believe a really good coach is someone who is in that game of process and change of what you want with your clients. And so if you're a health and fitness coach, you know, is health and fitness a really big value to you? Like, are you looking to improve that on yourself? Because coaching is not just giving a plan and more information. Like there's experiential wisdom that needs to come with that to help them navigate that journey that they're on and have that empathy. Like what, you know, you were talking about um, so that there, you can really relate to your clients. Yeah. Um, also, if if you don't crave to grow and evolve 
whether it's experience or knowledge or skills within your industry, then you're really lacking passion. So why are you doing what you're doing? You know, one of the things uh, I do a lot of brand and marketing coaching with people as well is, you know, would you want to go away on vacation or all your down or any downtime and read about developing yourself within, you know, your business or your coaching? If you don't have that drive to evolve on your own time, yourself and your skills, it you're not going to last in the game. Yeah. And I think a lot of people get fearful of learning new things and then wondering, well, how much do I have to change in my business? Uh, will I be seen as weak? I've been doing this for so long. And what if I, you know, what if I find out that some of my ways right now aren't the best ways? Let me say this. After almost a quarter century doing this, my clients have never said, oh my God, I wish I knew this earlier. They're just thankful that I continue searching for better and better ways. And any human being that's ever taken a course from me more than once, I am known for this. I've never taught the same thing twice. Always evolve it, always change it, always improve it, always get feedback. Because to me, if you are, and hence hence the, the number two in my top three categories here was when you're owning the journey of your clients with empathy, that means, I'm going to say this now, one day I want to write a book called Cry for Your Avatar. And when you can finally, like literally from the time they wake up to the time they go to bed, empathize with the journey your clients on every single day, and then go, what's my responsibility to help them through this? You should never lack passion to find more ways to try to better your service. And like you said, I think it's the passion. And the passionate ones are the ones who always want to evolve. Um, But to me, if you want to stay in this game, it's like the music industry. You can't just keep living off the same album you put out in 1985. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that's what you got to put out another one and another one and another one. And sometimes, you know, like you two or Madonna or whatever, like you go through these phases where it's like, you know, you go through the discotheque phase, you go through this phase and you're trying some new stuff out, but who cares? Yeah. Right. And maybe your avatar evolves. Maybe you evolve in how you want to coach people as well. And you got to increase your skill set doing different things with them. But I think as long as like you nailed it, like that passion has to come with that research and that want to experience. Like, like mm-hmm. you want to experience these things, try them out and try them with your clients. Um, and if you're not, I mean, like any industry, come on, like well, if yeah. you're not, if you're not hundred percent passionate about the growth and what you're putting out there, and if it's just about the money, it's just going to get you so far. Yes. Yeah. I love that you use the music industry and even people who have had that longevity, like Madonna, they evolve with the industry that's evolving. And if we talk about the health and fitness industry, which is what this is, it has evolved so much, especially it's in, it's in the science industry. There's always new data coming out. People are always trying new ba- methods. There's always different things that we learn about the body from its interconnectedness. And if you're still teaching uh, health, fitness, holistic ways from the nineties. Now in, you know, 2020s, you've really, you know, created such a gap in, in what the industry and the clientele want and need from a coach. Yeah. What do you think are the big things that they want to need now compared to before? Well, we look at the health industry, the people have different problems than they did, let's say back in the nineties from a health perspective, there's so much more chronic health, which is why we're doing this podcast, which is why we have the transformation mentorship. People are chronically sick um, and they're on their way to a lot of disease markers. We see that cancer, heart disease, diabetes. And so if we can look to reverse that uh, and look from from a holistic perspective, we always just, we need to keep deep in our knowledge and the, the problems are there. It's not just weight loss, weight loss. Sure. In the nineties, start moving your body and decrease calories. You'll probably lose weight, 
But now if you look at metabolism, hormones, digestion, all of that is impacted by yeah. the society and the way that we live. The problems are deeper now with health and fitness clients. What I've noticed is that I personally speaking, I feel like in the last, let's say decade, most people came to coaches for weight, energy, and movement. Yes. What I'm finding happening is that even though you're good at doing that, the client's not getting to where they want to go, despite how good your programming may be. And the bigger things that I'm seeing now is going to be sleep and stress that you have to really be good at, at, at tackling and digestion and mood stuff. Yeah. Right. Where a lot of that stuff wasn't tackled before. You know, you didn't go to a personal trainer to talk about your sleep habits. You didn't go to a personal trainer to talk about your stress and stuff like that. You worked out, you did your boot camp class, and here's your meal plan, that kind of stuff. But I think the depth, because the information is getting so much easier to access, people know that there's a lot more moving pieces to health as well. I think people are just more generally stressed than before eating. Un it's just easier and easier as the years go on not to eat healthy. Yes. And our definition of health becomes more and more skewed. Everyone who thinks they're eating healthy probably isn't in one way, shape, or form, but we're convinced that we are. Mm -hmm. And so I think even, even the role of the coach is starting to deepen as well, because in order for you to get really good results with your clients, you need to start tackling some more issues and more problems that are, that are all corresponding to your clients being stuck right now. Yes. Uh, you also will be able to retain clients longer. Yeah. Right. I think, you know, I hear a lot of people who they get bored with their clients or they feel like the relationship is fizzling out. Um, but if you aren't keeping up with the evolution of problems that a client may have or, you know, stepping up to be able to help clients on a deeper level, if you can stay in that journey with them as long as you continue the journey yourself. Yeah. And speaking of journey, your number one thing I liked because your number one was meet your client where they are. And to be honest with you, that's that that's me and my number two. Like owning the client journey means like, what are we doing number like week one, week two, week three? Like I know what you're doing at 5.15 when you wake up. I know if you're taking a shower or you're making breakfast, those are two different roads you're taking. Like that's the first step is really understanding how much a, hand, you know, a client can handle, how much is too much. And I think this is one of the most overlooked concepts. Mm-hmm. Most coaches design programs that are convenient for you to give to your clients. There, I said it. <laughs> you are not creating a journey that is the most convenient for the client with the least amount of work necessary to figure out what they need to do. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? So if it's a meal plan, literally the meal plan with, you know, what do I need to get? What's, what's the grocery list? Um, like any decisions they need to make that you're, you're, you're putting on them screws up the client journey. And when you really understand their first step, that's knowing they might only have 45 minutes a day. They don't have time for a 60 minute video plus to implement all the stuff that you've just given them. Yeah. So let me ask you, what would you say are some of the key things to incorporate or some of the mistakes or whatever comes to mind right now, when it comes to meet your clients, where you're at, what are some of the things you're noticing people are doing wrong? And what are some of the recommendations you have for them? Yeah. Uh, well, I recommend definitely always start with a good assessment process. If you are not, you know, gaining intel of your client of like where they've been, where they're at, where they want to go, uh, it's hard to create clarity of what that first step is. 
uh, gaining clues, stop guessing, uh, really understand what their lifestyle is like. So, uh, you know, uh, a 20 year old girl off in university versus a 40 year old woman who has uh, a high demanding career, a family, children, recreational activities, very different lifestyles. You might approach them very differently. And if you aren't doing a proper assessment and really getting to know the client with where they're at right now, you can sometimes set your client up for failure. Yeah. And to so, me, the sorry, go ahead. Sorry to control, well, sorry, go yeah, ahead. and you said a couple of hints, but honestly, just have a really good assessment process. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna attach to that. I look at the past, the current, and the future, and our ability to intertwine all of these things seamlessly. So, what's the looking at the past? How long have they been stuck for? What's keeping them stuck? What have they tried in the past? Look at their habits. Someone who's been overweight for 45 years is different than six months, right? And so, and then looking at their current situation. So this is where the audit comes in. Where, what are you eating? How are you sleeping? What are your habits every single day? How do you view food? You know, so like what's keeping you stuck here right now? And then looking at the future. To me, there's, a, there's the disconnect. Like your, your concept in terms of meeting people where they're at is the, where's their future goals? Where do they want to be? Where are they currently? And what is the, if this is like a, a GPS uh, map quest, you know, get out of your driveway, turn left, turn right, blah, blah, blah. What is that very first step that you're going to take? So tomorrow morning, when you wake up, you're going to do this Absolutely. and then this. And then when you go to bed, you should have been accomplished this by the end of today. And if you have any problems with that, let's address that before we address step number two. Yes. Um, I, I personally feel like people give too much. Most coaches give too much out of fear of giving too little looking too stupid. It's too simple. My clients are paying me too much for this. I got to give them all this stuff, all the videos and the 40 page manuals and this, 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 that's where that's the biggest struggle. I see most coaches is narrowing down the simplicity of the first step. Yes, I, yeah. I agree. Um, and I think that it, it ties into really understanding what is the value that you're giving a client you know, is it your time and all this stuff, or is it to get them into action as, as easy as possible and as seamless so that they can get towards their goals? Yeah. And speaking of goals, you talk about long-term and short-term goals. What a segue there. Yes. Yeah. So what, what does that mean to you? So why is that so important to you? And again, going back to some of those challenges, maybe struggles that you see these days. Yeah. I think there's, there's really two parts to look at this. It's how is this valuable for you as the coach? And then how is it valuable for the client as well? And, you know, you know, Joe, I, you and I have been in, in a coaching business together since 2016, 17. Um, and one of the issues that we even came up with was what are the goals of the client and are we meeting those goals? And so for, as a coach to know, what are those clear, tangible goals so that you can feel fulfilled as a coach? Are you filling that role? Are you getting them to the destination that, that they want to get to? And then also for the client, they need to know, you know, what are we working towards? What are we, uh, what are we assessing? What are we progressing towards and being able to measure those so that a client stays motivated in the process? Because it's not a four-week journey. It's not even an eight-week journey. Sometimes you're with a client for a year, two years, like really progressing them at a sustainable rate that they need to. Uh, and so, yeah, long-term goals. You know, what do you want? A lot of, you know, I want to lose 50 pounds. 
okay, 50 pounds, but what are those short-term goals? What are, what are we going to be working on? What are we assessing um, every week in terms of progress, reflecting, reviewing, asking questions, really getting them to understand that day-to-day, week-to-week process, um, which are those short-term goals. And so when you have clarity from both the client and you as the coach, this is where there continues to feel like there's momentum within that journey with a client. I want to add to that proper goals. Mm. Why? I love asking why seven times when someone tells me they want to lose 50 pounds. So I know so that's great to have the long-term goal of 50 pounds, break that down to short-term goals, two pounds a week, blah, 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 blah. That's great. I want to go a little deeper though. Why do you want to lose those 50 pounds? And what will that give you? And so sometimes we, we, I mean, we talk about value elicitation of goals. And I think what's important to do is as establish like, what are your values and your reasons for these goals? And that's some of the mistakes that I see when coaches are working with new clients is, is sometimes not challenging the goals or digging deeper and asking the right questions to really understand why somebody wants that. And what the motivation behind, I like calling them targets, you know, the, the motivation behind the missions or the targets or, or what I really want to get after not just the 50 pounds, uh, you know, I want to lose 50 pounds and look good on the beach. That, that's great. But the, to me, I, w- I would even start to challenge some of those goals and make sure that there's long-term, short-term, but good values behind the goals and that the goals have some meaning behind them as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree. Especially if we're talking about holistic transformations, it's not just the weight. The weight's actually an outcome of a lot of other things that need to be into place, uh, especially sustainability. So how is your sleep? How is your energy? Do you wake up feeling rested? How many coffees do you need a day? All these things can actually be measured in a weekly, uh, you know, progress and tracking with your clients, however you want to do that. But that actually sees a client of those small baby steps that they're actually taking to get to their long-term goals. And it makes them value the process uh, so much more efficiently. I think when it comes down to it, whatever it takes to get your clients up the mountain and they have fun and they're getting there effectively, that's what makes you a good coach. And and maybe depending on who you coach and how you coach, these these, these top three might change for you. I I, I definitely know this list, if you asked me eight years ago, this list would be different. And as I evolved as a coach as well, I start to really notice what it takes to be a better coach. And it wasn't just 16 more certifications and just becoming smarter. So there, I mean, that was, that was part of it, but it wasn't the only thing. And I see, I see a lot of people just thinking that the more you know, the, the, better, the better coach you, you become. Mm. But what you know might be great for you. But if you haven't learned to develop your coaching skills to, de- to provide that information to a client, for them to understand the information, for them to take the information and, and roll with it, then you're not that good of a coach. And I see a lot of coaches get frustrated when like, my clients don't listen to me. I go, how many clients don't listen to you? I'm like, wow, what do all those clients have in common? You. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe it's the way you're communicating to them. That's why they're not listening to you or they're not following the program. Maybe they're not following the program because it's so confusing for them and they're too embarrassed to ask you about it. I think everyone listening to this podcast, I think everyone should just actually write down like, what are my top three, uh, you know, major values as a coach. Love that. What, like, what do I think I need? Top three characteristics I need. Let's say coaching was mountain climbing and your job is to get people up the mountain. What do you need to be the best, the best mountain climbing coach possible to your clients? What do they need from you to get up that mountain? So sometimes it's a, it's a hand. Sometimes they need to be let, they, you have to let them fall so they can learn some things. Maybe it's guidance, support, accountability, motivation. Maybe it's a 
save time, whatever it may be, but come up with a list of what, what it would make for you to be the best coach possible to your clients. And I guarantee your clients probably won't leave and will refer people endlessly to you. Yes. Yeah. And a great exercise to do that is look at where all the frustrations are within your coaching business or with your clients. Like that's a really good indicator of some areas to dive into. Uh, you know, coaching doesn't have to be frustrating. Coaching doesn't have to be defeating. Uh, it should be, you know, very uplifting and valuable to you and to the client. And, and if that isn't being portrayed on either side, there's some things to look at. You just made me think of a really cool topic. And you talked about frustration with clients. You know, I got this little download and I'm just thinking of some clients that frustrated me, some that don't, some are still with me, some that aren't. And I've come to realize that when I'm frustrated with a client, it's come, it comes down to one of two things. I have to learn to become a better coach or that client is not the right client for me. Mm. And when I look back, there's a lot of clients that have either moved on or I just, I just, I didn't mesh with, I didn't like working with them. They didn't like working with me. And I think that's beautiful. Find someone to get you up the mountain faster if I'm not that person. When I know that person needs my help, though, and that person and that, that, that client frustrates me, 99.999% of the times when I look back at it, I'm like, you know what? They're frustrated because of me somehow. Somewhere along the line, I, I drop the ball somewhere as a coach, or I don't have the skills necessary to help them up, and that's why I'm frustrated right now. Yeah. And that, that for some people, that might take a lot of self-reflection. But if you're constantly complaining about a client, ask yourself that question. Is it something that I need to improve on so that they can become better? Or is this just the wrong client for me? Yeah, I think that is so perfectly said. And if we look at the role of a coach, uh, it's, it's not the action plan that you give a client. It's helping them through all the problems that show up in this thing called life that comes at us um, from all different angles. And so if we're not up-leveling as a coach and come back to growth, you know, we had that conversation. If you're not willing to grow as a coach, you probably will start seeing frustration after frustration with clients. I'm curious to put this out there and see people's like top five and yeah. see what kind of common themes come out of this. And and, uh, and hopefully even, even maybe shed some light, maybe someone needs to really audit this. Maybe someone needs to see a certain word or a phrase from someone else's list and go, wow, that, that, that's, I need that more in my coaching business as well. But I'm so happy you actually asked me this question this morning yeah. and it was, it, it became so quick for me to answer. Cause I really looked at ideal coaches, coaches that I didn't like coaches. That I did like how I want to show up as a coach as well. And this is a fun exercise uh, for me to do. So I appreciate you, you springing this on me. This yes, yeah. And those of you listening, if you want to get in on this as well, I mean, take a screenshot of this, like throw it in stories. What are your top qualities or characteristics that you think of, you know, being a good coach or things that you've seen even implemented with yourself? Cause I think even giving us like, you know, praise and grace for where we're at. If, if you're someone who's a growth person listening um, and you've really embodied a lot of coaching, uh, yeah, like let us know. Again, like, this is subjective. It's it's up to interpretation. And I, but I think a lot of the good characteristics all fall within you know some of the same categories. I think we're gonna see a lot of common similarities, and maybe some that might even surprise us. So I'm looking forward to those answers. Yeah, so wonderful. Thank you for the conversation. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us here on this episode today. Let's hang out over on Instagram at Transformation Mentorship. And better yet, take a screenshot of this episode, upload it to stories, tag us, and let us know what you loved about the episode. We'll see you next time.